0: This isn't a conversation that you necessarily want to go have with, say, your parents. Be like, hey, knock on their door, be like, mom, dad, I just want you to know that I have a few conditions about inheriting these. I'd like it to be tax efficient. That being said, we as financial planners do get to have that conversation. And we have to have that conversation pretty regularly. Welcome to The Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you
1: the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Koleski, joined by Wealth Advisor Bo Weirich. Bo, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. So we're here to talk about what's going on in the world, how it affect you, what you can do about it. The Fed was la- was at Jackson Hole last week. Not that exciting. No real updates. I mean, they're going to look at housing and unemployment, but you know, for the most part, rates aren't going down
0: anytime soon. Yeah, they said they might even go up. Who knows what's going to happen from here on out? They're kind of trying to keep us on the edge of our seats. So we'll keep watching. So because of that, I
1: found an article that was somewhat interesting. It talked about all these different types of accounts and assets that, you know, aren't that beneficial to inherit. I don't know about you, but if somebody wanted to leave me some assets, it might take a little bit of work, but I'm not going to complain too much about it. Yeah, that's not an order that you send back to the chef too often. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this article brings out some really good points. There were some legislative changes that caused some of the tax-deferred accounts to not be as optimal compared to other things. And I really think that that's what the article was saying. Before we kind of get into those different types of accounts or assets, let's just talk high level about what those estate tax numbers are. So for an individual, your number is 12.9 million. For joint joint filers, it's twenty five point eight million. So as long as your estate is not above that twelve point nine or that twenty five point
0: eight, your estate is not subject to estate taxes. That's right. And people sometimes get estate taxes confused with other types of taxes, which we're about to talk about. But as far as the ability to leave assets to your heirs, you don't get taxed on that until you hit that twenty six ish million threshold. And then after that, it's about
1: 40%. Yeah, the tax rate is about 40%. And that's, um, that's somewhat important to this. And in 2026, we're going to roll back to that 6.4 and that 12.8 number. So that's, we're talking about the estate tax there. But there's something different with the article with regards to inheriting an
0: asset and whether or not it's optimal for you to inherit, which is what I think it was really trying to say. That, yeah, exactly right. This isn't a conversation that you necessarily want to go have with, say, your parents. Be like, hey, knock on their door. Be like, mom, dad, I just want you to know that I have a few conditions about inheriting these. I'd like it to be tax efficient. That being said, we as financial planners do get to have that conversation. And we have to have that conversation pretty regularly. It's kind of one of the pillars of financial planning is estate planning. So, for example... Let's say that you have a few different options of the types of accounts that you want to leave to your heirs. If you had the choice, the, the best type of account to leave to your heirs would be a Roth IRA. Why is that, Chris? Well, I mean, the money that goes in there grows tax-free and the withdrawals are tax-free. Exactly. So your heirs get to take all of that money. After all of the growth, they get to take all of that money and not pay any taxes on it. OK, and then you have a typical brokerage or trust account that, it, you know, it passes to them with the state tax laws and then they get taxed on it.
1: What's nice about the brokerage accounts, any non-retirement account, is that in most cases, upon the passing, the heirs get a step up in basis. Mean, meaning your parents or grandparents might have bought Apple at a yeah. dollar and it's worth, you know, 500 today. Um if you inherit Apple, your cost basis is going to go from that $1 purchase price to the 500 the date that, that Apple is trading at on the date uh, of that passing. So the step up in cost
0: basis is really beneficial. And that's kind of what we're talking about when you're comparing some of these. Exactly. And so you get to sell that share of Apple for and pay no capital gains taxes right. on it. So the third option would be a tax deferred account. This is like your 401Ks, your IRAs, your 403Bs. And there's a little bit of complication on that because when you pass on a tax-deferred account to an, a non-spouse, to, to an heir, they have to take that money out of that account over a 10-year period. Okay, well, that doesn't seem too complicated, but one of the things that we try to analyze with clients is, are your kids going to pay a higher tax bracket on those funds when they withdraw them than you would? Um, and and this is not a, a science this is kind of an art so here here are some some issues that could come up. Let's say that you're a retired individual you're in your your late 70s, your early 80s and your income isn't that high but if you passed away right now and your assets went to your your son or your daughter, what if they're a high earner that they're in the 35 percent tax bracket or say you live in Florida, you don't pay any state taxes but your kids live in California they're going to pay 13% income tax when they withdraw that those assets are going to get taxed at a higher rate when they're taken out of that account depending on who takes them out so this yeah. is the type
1: of conversation
0: that we want to have for sure and you know not to be
1: not to make it about me or inheriting things but if if you just put it in it, on my plate and said hey chris you got the choice to re- to inherit a non-retirement account or an IRA which one are you taking considering the, the values were equal i'm going to say the non-retirement mm-hmm. account So I get the step up in cost basis. I can sell those assets without having to pay any taxes as opposed to the retirement account. I'm now forced to drain that over a 10 year period and pay all these taxes every time dollars come out. It's funny. I was just talking with a client the other day about this, and it might make sense for them to start withdrawing out of their retirement accounts today to build up those non-retirement accounts. And even as they're looking at their estate plan when when they're looking to gift money to charities at the end they're looking to give the ira part of the ira to charities because charities aren't subject to that tax so there's there's a lot going on here in tax deferred accounts they're not as beneficial to inherit because this new law changes other things um but i'm sure the people inheriting it will still be
0: still be pleased and so that's a that's a fun conversation to have and and with all of these estate planning uh, topics. It's kind of like going to an orthodontist. <laughs> it's something you need to do, but it doesn't feel good to talk about what happens when you pass away.
1: The interesting one that I saw in the article was about real estate, right? And you know, we do a lot with regards to investing in real estate, and I know that a lot of people build their wealth with real estate. And the points that this that this article made was if you've got real estate with high maintenance costs, and then your heirs inherit this property or these assets if it's not inherited in the right structure or gifted over time in the right way, all of a sudden the property gets reassessed for property taxes, high maintenance costs. It may not be as good of an investment as it once was. And even if let's just say that it is done the right way after a couple generations, there's now potentially 10 to 15 different owners of these assets, all with different needs and wants. And are they going to be on the same page? Um, that's why investing in a fund-type structure can be so much easier. People can you know, receive their portion of the fund, get a step-up in cost basis, not have to deal with, uh, well, what did you mention to me earlier, the three T's. Yeah, that's toilets, tenants, and trash. Right, the toilets, tenants, and trash. They don't have to deal with the maintenance and operating costs, but they can own their their share, and then as that winds down, they can do what they want with those proceeds. So I thought real estate, as as that's a... You know, one of those assets that people look at to how to build generational wealth, it is true, real estate can be a
0: great way to build generational wealth, but it can be a challenging um asset to inherit. And like you said before, all else being equal, if I had my choice on whether or not I wanted to inherit a real physical building that I have to maintain and deal with the tenants trash and toilets or if I could inherit a managed fund of diversified real estate where I don't have to do anything except Cash checks. I'm going to choose the latter. I like the idea of of being a passive investor, all else being equal. And so, I I think one of the things that we run into a lot with our clients is that they inherit properties, but they have to share the ownership with their siblings or their cousins or this kind of thing. And there's just a lot of complexity with that when you have to make decisions with other family members. And so. Having real estate in in funds that c- that is fungible, that can be divided uh, you know among heirs, it's a lot it's a lot cleaner because then your heirs get to decide what they individually want to do.
1: Yeah, and it's just worth having a conversation with us and potentially your estate planning attorney around this. Um, you know what is what is your goal? what is your intention? I think Warren Buffett is quoted by saying, leave your kids enough to do, whatever they want, but not enough to where they do nothing. Yeah. right. <laughs> and so if that's the purpose, if many people have that same purpose, that they want their kids and grandkids to be able to live a, a life of fulfillment, to be able to do what they are passionate about, um, if they want to be an artist or a teacher or a fireman or firewoman, whatever it may be, it may be more beneficial for them to inherit something that they can cash out and use those proceeds, you know, to help fund their lifestyle
0: or education for their kids or their grandkids, as opposed to a fractional share of ownership of a building. I completely agree, right. and so, and and that brings us to a couple of other um, assets that might be complex or complicated to receive. One of those being businesses. So let's pretend that your business isn't to be a, a real estate mogul, but your business is your business, that you go there every day and you work on it and you're the expert on that business. Well, um, a, a poorly known statistic is that 50% of businesses, of the exits from those businesses are not planned. And they happen because of death, divorce, disability, disagreement, and and sure, other things that starts with the letter D. but. <laughs> Those but are le- four good ones, though. But yeah, I mean, uh, let's say that you and I had a business together um, and that we are both you know, key, key business owners. Well, something happened to me, then you would find yourself and we didn't have any succession plan. You'd find yourself in business with my wife, Daniela. She's great. She's fantastic. But maybe she doesn't know anything about the operations of, of the business. And so if we didn't have an agreement on what would happen if something happened to me, maybe Daniela steps in and she has different ideas than you on how to run it. That can have some pretty uh, negative implications on the viability of the business. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. I mean,
1: inheriting a business with complex parts, supply chain, and operations management with no su- succession can be, you know, a very stressful or difficult thing to manage while you're, you know, dealing with the loss of a, of a loved one or,
0: or a family member, and you're dealing with the loss of a, of a key manager too. Yeah. from the business side of things, so. One thing that we advise business owners to do is um, one of the tactics is called a buy-sell agreement. And so if something using the same example, something happened to me. Uh, the buy-sell agreement between you and I would mean that you are able to buy out my portion of the business. You get the first right of refusal. And then you fund that with, say, a life insurance policy that's valued enough that has a death benefit that's high enough to buy my half of the business. So we advise business owner clients on this. Make that process clean because you, Chris, are going to have enough to deal with trying to revamp this business, losing your partner. Yeah. Uh, you need to have some liquidity. You need to have some cushion in that.
1: In that yeah. Product. And I'm sure Danielle, if, if she was to lose you, wouldn't want to have yeah. to deal with the nuts and bolts. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, she would. Maybe yeah, she would. Yeah. Give her something to think <laughs> about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Highly levered assets and timeshares, these can be problematic. I mean, anything that's highly levered, your profitability can change overnight. I mean, just think about real estate that was highly levered at low interest rates, and now those are resetting at higher interest rates this year. I mean, it's only been a year and a half time frame. Most estates, it could take up to that long to, to settle them anyways, Um the dynamics of how real estate has changed in value over the last call it six to eighteen months is amazing. So anything with a with a
0: with a high amount of leverage is just dangerous to inherit. yeah. and yeah. and just to use kind of layman's term for that, if you have an asset that you've borrowed a lot of money in order to purchase or maintain, we call that leverage. you're you're able to buy more than you otherwise would. So a highly levered asset, an example would be real estate that has a lot of debt on it or, Uh, a brokerage account that has a lot of margin taken out, like that's been borrowed on it. Um, It's just not the it's it's not the cleanest asset to inherit um, as an heir. Um, And then timeshares. There's
1: people on two sides of the camp. Some love them. Yeah. Some (laughs) don't like being forced to use them. Right. Your kids may or may not feel the same way. (laughs) So you might want to look at either selling those or
0: gifting those away. Um, they come with maintenance costs. Like all of a sudden I've, I've lost my parents and now I'm getting, you know, a $2,000 bill every year for this timeshare. Like what, what is this? Like, I don't want this. You know, so one of the interesting ones was health savings account. Yeah. And, and so with an HSA, um, if, if it's, you're leaving it to your spouse, nothing happens. You know, uh, if, Daniella gets my HSA. When I pass away, it's hers. She's able to still take that money out tax free when she uses it for medical. Expense.
1: OK, so 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 with a spouse, they still get all of the tax. Benefits. Of the tax they can benefits. take the money out. And, you know, as long as it's qualified medical expense, they pay no tax on the withdrawal. Right. And if they're over the age of 65, they can take it out for any reason. Exactly. And they
0: just have to pay income taxes like they would an IRA. Yeah, it's as though it's their HSA that they've had the entire time. But those rules change if, it, if you leave it to someone else. You can leave it to a sibling. You can leave it to another family member, to your kids. If you do that, if they're the beneficiary of your HSA, well, they get taxed ordinary income tax on that amount. They're required to pull out the entire account balance and pay ordinary income tax. So let's say you have, I don't know, let's use a, a larger number, $100,000 HSA. You leave it to your kids and they're already making $500,000 a year. They're in a high tax bracket. Well, I have a successful kids. That's right, crazy. exactly. Good for you. <laughs> <Insert> <laughs> they, three and seven months. Good. Yes. And so they're going to take a one hundred thousand dollars ordinary income disbursement. That's, they have to pay about fifty percent tax. That's fascinating.
1: I mean, health savings accounts are often something that you know we don't think of the forefront when we're having these conversations. But that's a perfect asset that goes to your spouse first, and then potentially a charity or an organization right. second because it's not likely that you're going to have a health savings account that's worth several million dollars or even you know several hundred thousand dollars. They're relatively new instruments and people are
0: learning how to use them right now. Right. And you you tend to withdraw from them a lot more than you would another tax deferred account, like a Roth IRA or something. You're using it as you go. So like you said, once you're over the age of 65, you can actually pull out uh, funds from your HSA for any and all reasons. Yes. And so it's, it's something to consider tax-free. Uh, it's might, it might be better than leaving that to your kids. But this has been a fun conversation
1: around life, legacy, planning, and inheritance. At the end of the day, you know, please schedule a time with your Morton Wealth advisor and have these conversations about what you own, who you want it to go to, and what your ideal plan is. And we can figure out what makes the most sense for you. Thank you for joining us and we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes, email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.